Hey, great to see you. My name is Nate, and I'm the lead pastor here at Restoration Church. And we are in the second week of our series launch. And uh, we are in the process as a church in launching our third location, our third church in Londonary, New Hampshire. Next week, they move to Sunday mornings, and on September 9th, we launch um, publicly there. And so we're talking about that theme, but also not just as a church, but you as an individual. We believe and we know that God has been speaking to, uh, to so many of you, if not all of you, about something he wants you to launch into, and so that's what we've been talking about. Now, if you um, care anything about uh, space exploration and all kinds of the different things going on, there are uh, not just NASA and nations who are who are entering into space and, and, uh, and developing technology, but there are now private companies who are doing this, uh, one of them being SpaceX, who's led by Elon Musk, the other being uh, Blue Origin, who's left by Jeff Bezos of Amazon.com. And these companies are putting in, and these two men are putting in uh, billions of dollars of their own money trying to create this. And then there's other companies you haven't heard of who are even trying, they've even been recruiting people to, uh, and they're, they're making plans to set up a colony in Mars. And that is absolute truth. And some are hoping to be on Mars by 2024, which is just around the corner. And I want you to know, and I state this publicly, and I'm telling this to my wife for the first time right now, if I have the opportunity to be the first missionary on Mars, I am taking it. And I'm not joking. Like, I was praying about that this week. Like, where do I apply? Where do I figure this out? And, uh, and I'm serious. And I was even in the worship this morning as I decided I'm going to tell you all this and, stay this and say this in faith. I thought, I, I thought I'm going to tell everybody, if I get the opportunity, I'll resign the next Sunday. And then I thought, and then I thought, no, we're going to set up a restoration church on Mars. And I, and I and like, like, come on, why can't we do it? If they're sending people there and they're going to be living there, we're going to be there. And so every Sunday morning, you'll see me in a space suit preaching to you. And, uh, and, and it is going to be unbelievable. So that's what we're working for. That's what we're praying. We're praying big, bold, amazing prayers. And uh, God is so huge. Not only can he work in the life of an individual here on earth, but he could, he could do it anywhere in the galaxy. Because as expansive and as growing and as far-reaching as the galaxies are, our God can hold all of that in his hand. Millions and millions of light years, he can hold it. And, uh, and so, man, if there are going to be people there, we are going to be there. And uh, I don't know who's coming with me, but some of the, some of the staff members just got nervous. Like, sorry, man, you gotta, you got to move with me. Um, I'm going to need you there. You know, as NASA, as they're one of the people kind of leading this charge, there, you would think, you think through, like, all of the difficulties that they would experience to be able to go to Mars... Most of the technology they have, they, they're in the process of building this huge ship that will make the, the trip there. Um, most of, the, they, they've already been growing plants on the International Space Station, so they've grown lettuce there, and, uh, and they know how to grow potatoes. Like, there's all these things that they've figured out already. Uh, they believe they found water on the moon, which is going to allow them to travel to the moon and produce hydrogen from the moon, which would be cheaper and lighter, to then uh, give them the fuel to be able to 
to travel back and forth. It's just unbelievable everything that's going on. And one of the things that they know is it, for the technology right now, they've even created the, the, the nuclear reactor um, uh, nicknamed Krusty to be able to uh, get to be able to do the trips for them. So all kinds of technologies in place. And the one thing that they haven't figured out, and really the one thing that's probably uh, slowing them down more than anything, is how do they figure out what five people they can put on the spacecraft where it won't turn into this Don Cheadle moment from one of those Mars movies where he went insane and was attacking everybody. How, do they, how are they going to put five people in this confined, tiny space where there's no privacy, there's no girls' night out, there's no hobby, there's no recreation. You're just there, stuck floating around each other um, for, for uh, a three-year round trip. No connection to family, no escaping, no moments outside of the capsule or outside of the spacesuit. How do they find the five right people and the five different temperaments and, and the five kind of different gift sets and personalities? How do they find and figure out that they're going to get five people and they're going to send them all the way there and back and it'll be successful? And that is the biggest challenge that they're facing right now. And as interesting as all that is, what does that have to do with God today and what point does any of that have in to today? Last week as we started our series launch, we, in that message, uh, there was really two main things that we, that we pointed out and that we, we talked about. If God's calling you to launch something, there's two important things that you have to do. And we looked at Acts chapter 1 verse 14, and when God called the 11 disciples to then launch the church after his ascension, to go into all the nations of the world and introduce people to him and help people to follow Jesus, there was the first thing that they did and that they did continually was that they prayed. We asked you to pray for three things last week, and, and I hope you've been praying for those things. And, and then the second thing that we taught, and it wasn't anything to, for you to do, but we wanted you to know and really understand, is that when God called every believer, every follower of him in the world to go and make disciples, and that includes us as individuals, and that includes us as a church, that anything he calls you to launch after that, whether it's to launch a business or a family or a church, all of those things are a sub-go of the main go. God tells us to go and make disciples in all nations, and anything God calls you to do after that is underneath that same thing. If he called you to launch a business, he's called you to do that in order to make disciples in all nations. Every single one of us have given, been given an assignment. Every single one of us, are, we have that duty. We've received the good news and it's, uh, of Jesus, and we have to share the good news of Jesus. And if you're here today and you've never believed in Jesus, you've never heard that Jesus was good news, we want you to hear that today. We want you to believe that today. We want you to receive that today. We want your entire life to be changed in these next few minutes. Because he's real and he's powerful and he's big and he's loving and he's kind. And he knows you and he wants you and he wants to be with you and, and for you to know him as well. So that was last week. Now, here's a big, kind of the big thing coming into this. If he's called you to launch something and, and, you're, and you're believing it and you're praying about it, well, it is too big 
for you to do it all by yourself. If he's called you to launch something, you cannot do it alone. And this is why we begin to see this connection with what we've been talking about. It's going to take a team. If God's speaking to you and God's calling you to do something, it is, you cannot do it alone. And you're going to have to have other people to do it with you. You have to pray. You have to pray continually. But you cannot just pray and, and for it to happen. The disciples couldn't sit in Jerusalem and just pray that the world would know and the nations would know and people would believe. They had to go. They had to travel. And the apostle uh, Paul, who um, is kind of a famous guy, he had his life changed. He went from murdering Christians and imprisoning Christians to traveling all over the no his known world, telling people. Some believe he even made it to the United Kingdom at one point at the last trip of his life. Sharing Jesus as far as a ship could take him. If God has called you to launch something, you must build a team. Not just any team. Not just kind of getting some people who are like going to cheer you on or be nice to you or will pray for you occasionally. You need to build a team that will help you accomplish what God has called you to do. And that's what we're going to talk about. And, and this, the importance of this and the stakes of this are a really big deal. Um, you know, NASA is employing all of these brilliant engineers and they're all these kind of subcontractors to help them discover this. And one PhD uh, uh, psychologist, Dorothy Carter, she is um, a, a professor at the University of Georgia, but she's also working doing research for NASA. She talks about the importance of a team. And she begins to talk about how just slight problems within a team can have huge catastrophic results. And, and one example she listed was uh, the Mars Climate Orbiter, which was going to land in Mars in 1999. And when it entered the Mars surface, we're talking millions if not billions of dollars into this one device, and it just explodes before it ever gets there. Um, and the, and they, anytime there's a mistake or a catastrophe with any mission, there's a huge investigation, and they found out the problem. So um, I didn't get the exact number, but hundreds of millions of dollars in this one device, and the problem was this. They had two teams working on a device, and they didn't communicate the measurements, and one team was working with the English measurement system. The other team was working with the metric system. So well, you're writing down 19, and one's doing centimeters, and one doing inches. Like, it's a huge problem. The entire project came from a miscommunication. It's a big deal. God's calling you to do something. You can't do it alone. If God's calling you to do something, you have to get the right people with you, the right, right people around you, the right people even praying for you. If you're ever going to do what he's called you to do. Got your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 1. We're going to be in Acts uh, through the remainder of this series because God called them to launch the church and to launch into the world with his good news. So it's a great thing for us to look at. And last week we were chapter 14. This week we're going to have a bigger portion here. They're going to be verses 15 through 26. So keep your Bibles open because I'll be jumping through. Uh, kind of, we'll look at a couple of sections, we'll talk about it, and we'll, and we'll be working through the scripture like that. Remember, Jesus died on the cross, he rose again. We're now past that, and he's returned to heaven, and we're within a 10-day window from when Jesus 
returned to heaven and where they were filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. So everything's fresh. They're busy praying. They're nervous. They're afraid. They're confused a little bit. And um, they just know, Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit's coming. And then from that point, you're going to be launched into what I have been preparing you and what I've ordained you to do. Let's read verse, start reading at verse number 15. So during this time, when about 120 believers were together in one place, Peter stood up and addressed them. Brothers, he said, the scriptures had to be fulfilled concerning Judas, who guided those who arrested Jesus. Judas was the famous betrayer of Jesus. This was predicted long ago by the Holy Spirit, speaking through King David. Judas was one of us and shared in ministry with us. He was one of the 12 disciples. Verse number 18, Judas had bought a field with the money he received for his treachery. Falling head first there, his body split open, spilling out all his intestines. The news of his death spread to all the people of Jerusalem. They gave the place the name in Aramaic named El Karama, which means field of blood. So let's stop there. Judas betrays Jesus, just so haunted by Satan, so haunted by what he did, he commits suicide. And uh, kind of talks about the gory nature of his death. Um, and let me say this, this is not what we're talking about today, but sometimes um, you love Jesus, you follow Jesus, and, but you have just so, done something so horrific in your life and you feel the only thing you could ever do to make, to, you just can't even live with yourself and, and there's a temptation to end your own life. And, you know, as a pastor, when there's headlines of pastors, um, it catches my attention because I am one. And, and in, in recent years, there have been pastors who've entered into immorality and done things in their life they're ashamed of. And so they just end their life because they can't own up to what they've done. Listen, if you've done something, no matter how horrific it is, uh, and maybe there is going to be jail time behind it. Maybe uh, it's going to just absolutely ruin your earthly life. You've got to know this. Jesus forgives. He forgives. And there is going to be earthly consequences for the things you've done, but he forgives. And, no, and, and don't ever be in the place where you feel like I'm not worth anything. I need to end my life. Um, because he still forgives. He loves. He can, he can change you. And he can walk with you through those um, through just the, the, the consequences that you're going to have to face. Don't take that out. And, and theologically, you can debate, um, you know, whether Judas would ever have a chance to, to repent and confess his sin and, and if Jesus would ever forgive him. Now, we, there's kind of all kinds of, uh, of scholars arguing kind of on both sides of that. Um, all we know is this, if he in his heart would have if he would have asked for forgiveness, Jesus would have forgave. Whether he could have is a whole different question. But if he would have, we know Jesus would have forgiven him. And so he never needed to take that step. But obviously it was prophesied and God knew that that was what he was going to do. So um, let's talk about this right now as we look at this next verse, verse number 20. Why do you need a team? Judas, there was 12 disciples. Judas uh, betrays Jesus. He kills himself. There's just 11. Couldn't they have just continued as the 11 disciples? But Peter here is talking, hey, we need to replace Judas. There needs to be 12 disciples. And 
verse number 20, Peter continued, this was written in the book of Psalms where it says, let his home become desolate with no one living in it. It also says, let someone else take his position. Peter, as it was revealed to him through Jesus and through God working in his life, he realized they must replace him. The scripture mandated them to replace him, to, uh, to have a kind of a fully functioning team and leadership team to be able to do what God is telling them to do. Now, what does scripture tell you? And God's calling you to launch something. You're trying to figure out who to put around you. You need to study his word as you're praying, and, and you need to figure out what type of team is God calling you to do? Why do you need a team? And um, because we're prone to just be individuals. We're prone to just do things by ourselves. And one scripture you could use is Ecclesiastes 4.9, which says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If that's going to be the scripture you stand on and help you understand why you need a team, then that's certainly one you could use. But God may have you use another one. For me, um, you know, just, I, I just um, been blessed where at 15 years old, I knew I would be a lead pastor of a church one day. I, I've told this story before, but I was sitting on my dad's recliner eating Honey Nut Cheerios, watching uh, Sports Center, and all of a sudden, I've just had a picture of myself preaching, and, um, and, I, and I felt the presence of God like I felt in church, and I knew from that moment on I would be a lead pastor. And it took, was a long time before I became a lead pastor, but I knew that's what God would, was going to have for my life. I never knew he was calling me to Mars, but that's something I discovered this week. So, now... I was 15 years old. At some point in my life, God gave me the go-ahead to pursue marriage. And the one thing I always prayed and, and wanted in my heart is I, just, I didn't want to just be married. I wanted someone who was a partner in ministry with me. And obviously, being a pastor is a huge deal in my life. It, it, it encompasses uh, every uh, area of my life. Like, there's no place where church and Jesus um, and pastoring is not involved in my life. It is everywhere. And I wanted someone who loved that with me and would pursue that with me. And obviously, Michelle is that. She's volunteer coordinator for our kids' ministry over all three locations. And, and I love that, that we are serving God together and we're in this together. And she cares about this as much as I am. On Sunday night, we went out with uh, Jeremy and Haley. Jeremy is leading worship in Plymouth this morning. And um, we went out Sunday night to dinner with them, and when we got done and we left, Michelle said, hey, can we go pray at the church? And so at 10 p.m., we're walking around in the dark in the parking lot, and, and she's praying for the church, and we're taking turns praying, and we weren't here long. It could have been uh, seven minutes, because honestly, we were afraid. There's a raccoon that lives in the dumpster. He could have rabies, so we didn't stay very long, but, but I love that she cares, and she suggested it, and she's with us, and, and that was something that I wanted. Why do you need a team? Well, I knew, like, I want to pursue God, and, and, I, and I knew I'm going to need someone who I can wake up at one in the morning and, and say, I need you to pray for me because, like, I am really uh, stressed out right now. And, and, and so I just thank God that that's that. But what, why do you need a team? Why do you need a team? And really, God's calling you to do things way beyond yourself, way beyond yourself. So what qualities should you look for? Verse number 21. Peter is still talking. So we now must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us for the entire time we were traveling with the Lord Jesus. 
from the time he was baptized by John until the day he was taken from us. Whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. Right here in this passage, Peter lists some qualifications for the people who, for the person who, could, who would replace um, Judas. And some, uh, there's, a whole, there's really kind of five qualifications in here. If we, if we kind of bundle a couple, um, one would be that he, that he would be faithful, that he would be a follower. So not just someone who was there spectating, but someone who was following Jesus through that, out that entire kind of three and a half years, and also someone who was a witness. He had to have witnessed the baptism, he should have witnessed the resurrection, and he should have witnessed the ascension. And, and so you've got to determine the qualifications that you need for your team. What is it? What has he called you to launch? Why do you need a team? And then and, and as you get that understanding, you begin to, who do I need on this team? What are the type of, what are the, the type of person they should be? What are the qualities, the giftings that they should have? And it's not what is really important to you, but what is important to God's assignment? If God's calling you to start a business, you don't just get a bunch of friends around. You need to, you know, you're going to need, if God's given you this idea to invent this product, you're going to need people who know how to sell on your team. You're going to need people who know how to crunch numbers on your team. And it's not necessarily any of your best friends. God's calling you to launch into, uh, into uh, an education, into schooling. You're going to need a study group. You're going to need an editor for your papers. You're going to have to build your team. Like, you don't just want anybody editing your papers. It's not something you want to leave to Grammarly. Uh, it's something that, that you, you've got to find out. If God's calling you to start a nonprofit, to, to start something that's helping people in our communities. You're going to need to find a lawyer. You're going to need to kind of get, assemble a team, team of experts to serve on the board of that nonprofit. It's not just anybody. There are qualifications that you need for that team. If you're going to get an education, you're going to start a study group, you want a study group of people who get good grades. Not, you know, not a study group of people who, like, make really good snacks. In your marriage, you want marriage advice from people who have been married for decades. If you want financial advice, you want financial advice from someone who has money in the bank. If for me as a pastor, I want pastoral advice, I want someone who is further along than I am. That doesn't mean that they're older than me because I've gotten and, and, and uh, reached out to pastors who are younger than me, but they are further along. And you have got to find out what are those qualifications. So then we move into this next part. Who should you ask? Because you will find people who have those qualifications. In verse number 23, they nominated out of those 120 people who were there just two men. Joseph called Barsabbas also with a third nickname known as Justice, and then Matthias. These two men didn't promote themselves, so they weren't like, there wasn't a campaign going on here. They weren't putting up signs. and No, they weren't nominated from the crowd. And if there are, there are 
always going to be empty leadership spots here within our church because we're growing. Um, so that's always going to create empty spots uh, because people always move away, unfortunately. And that is what we hate. Like we're glad for you, but um, uh, we just hate when people move away. It doesn't mean we hate you. Uh, we just hear our friends and it's sad. And, um, but then also... Um, Sometimes people fall away from the Lord, which is the saddest thing you can ever experience as a pastor. And also there's some just sometimes um, people um, uh, uh, just leave. So there's always going to be empty spots. And you're, some of you are going to feel the challenge to kind of promote yourself. And there's nothing wrong with volunteering. There's nothing wrong with saying, how can I help? There's nothing wrong with saying um, uh, even like, hey, if there's, ever, uh, if there's ever an opportunity for me to step in that place of leadership, I'd like to be there. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's a kind of a different thing where you're promoting yourself and you're going around to everybody and, and you're like, amen, don't you think I would make you like a great uh, uh, lead pastor here? And you're like trying to get everybody on your side. To um, you know, so when I finally uh, fly away um, on the shuttle, like you're going to be the next person here. Um, it's kind of a different place. Some of you, you've got the call of God in your life, you've got the giftings in your life, and you're serving Him faithfully, and you're just like, oh man, they don't even notice me. They don't even notice me. I would, I would, I would tell you, don't worry about being overlooked for these spots. Um, to really kind of trust God in this, and I got to do this in my own life to trust God that He's going to put you in the right place at the right time. Uh, he's the one, and His words, the one that are ordering your steps, is going to get you in the right steps at the right time. You don't have to force it. So here are these two guys. They're just kind of there. I'm sure they're probably a little bit shocked. None of them probably felt they were the caliber of these other eleven, um, but here they were. Their two names up. And even when these 12 later died because um, uh, 11 of them were executed and martyred, uh, John, the apostle John died around the age of 90. And all 12 of them uh, later died and they themselves were replaced. Uh, and the next crop of leadership that came up after them were Clement of, uh, of, of Rome, Justin Martyr, Ignatius, Irenaeus, uh, Polycarp. These were the next leaders who led the church in the days after, in the, in the decades after the 12 disciples left. So there's going to be a time for you to step into what God's called you to do. Now, here's a big thing here in this thing. Who do you need on your team? Peter and the 11 disciples, they got counsel from other people. They didn't just get in the huddle and like, eh, who do we like? They, they, they kind of talked to the 120. Hey, who do we who, who qualifies this? And so they all brought the names of two men, Joseph and of Matthias. Get counsel from other people. Hey, what do you think about this person? This is why you do reference checks on a job, you know, because you're, you're trying to find out. Everybody can put on a smile. Everybody can dress nice for an interview. But who, what is their heart? Who are they really like? Are they a person of faith? Are they a follower? Do they know Jesus? Or are they a religious person who is actually going to be used by the enemy to stop and hinder what God's calling you to do? What happens if you get to the spot and you've kind of mis laid out your qualifications? It's not, they're not like absolutely impossible 
to, you know, you're not looking for a person with eight PhDs, which is going to really limit who you can have. But if you get to this place and there's no one that meets these qualifications, what do you do? Do you lower your qualifications? No, you keep waiting. Don't settle. Stay biblical. This is probably the, the, the place where this is more true than anywhere else is probably in relationships. You feel God telling you, all right, it's time to start a family, and you've got these qualifications. You, you know, you want someone who loves the Lord. You want someone who attends church, someone who reads the Bible, and then you kind of like, uh, uh, you can't find anybody who does that. You're like, well, I guess it's not God's will for me to be in, in a relationship with a Christian, so let me lower my standard and find anybody who's breathing. And then you're like, hey, I found a lot of people who are breathing. This is so good here. Now I can get married. Like, no, keep waiting. Don't settle. Stay biblical. You've got to trust God in every, every area of your heart, in every area of your life. So then you get to this next place. There's some people. There's some options. There's some people you can bring on your team, and you're going to want to rush, and you're excited to finally have a team, trying to finally have people who believe in what God's calling you to do, who are going to help you to live out the sub-go of the main go, to help you make disciples in all nations. And we get to this place now. You have to figure out who does God choose to be on the team. Look at verse number 24. Then they all prayed, Oh, Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry. For he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. It's kind of an interesting prayer there. You know, it's a very honest prayer. Um, we had a softball tournament this weekend, so we played four games over the weekend. Uh, uh, we're kicked out of the playoffs by losing a game by one run. It was so much fun. Uh, it was so much fun, unbelievable. And uh, people were giving me flack because we, we, uh, we won a game. So after the game, I said to the guys, I'm like, to the other team, I'm like, and honestly, I, was, I, I thought I was being really polite and really nice. I'm like, hey, guys, see you next year. And, uh, and like, because we just kicked them out of the playoffs. We were like, man, you're such a jerk. And I'm like, I wasn't trying to be a jerk, but I like this, this honest prayer. Um, you know, and we pray for, to help us replace Judas. Remember, the guy who deserted us and the guy who is now in hell. And so verse number 28. So then they cast lots, and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other 11. So who did they, who did they choose? Who did God choose? And they didn't just kind of make a list of pros and cons. That's certainly a, a practice that could help you to figure it out, but they kind of, all right, here's, here's who we could have. God, could you reveal to us, could you reveal to me who this person could be? Verse number 24, they prayed, and then verse number 26, they cast lots, and that's not anything we do as a church anymore, and this is the last time it was uh, really recorded. Um, this was either they drew sticks, and it was going to have their name or is going to help them to figure out which one, or they would um, kind of uh, have stones and they would dump out the stones and that would show them. And they were believing God would work through this. And it happened many times in the Old Testament, but once the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, it was now a reliance that the Holy Spirit who's indwelling them is going to speak to them. They're not just have, they're not just when they're next to Jesus, but no, the spirit of Jesus, the righteousness of Christ, the resurrection power of Jesus is within them. They now have ability to have 
direct spiritual communion with the Spirit of God. So we don't need to um, lay, lay out fleeces, which is a kind of another ch uh, church terminology, or draw lots, or, or flip a coin, um, because the Holy Spirit's in us. And you can uh, grow in a relationship with him where you can understand whether or not it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you or it is just a good idea. And that's even as a pastor, and, I, and I've been a Christian for over 30 years, um, I don't always know. Most of the time I know, but some of the times God tells me something. And I remember one time in 2014, I felt like God spoke to me about something. I called Michelle and I said, is this crazy? How, I, you know, this would be something I would want, but how is it that God would speak to me about this? Is this crazy? Am I making this up? And, and it was just like, well, let's wait and see. And over the last four years, it hasn't happened yet, but we can see how God is making it happen. And it's like a couple times this last year, we were just in shock, like, I think God's, I think we actually are God. I think God spoke to us about this. And he's going to do this thing that we were in no position and no place to ever do. And you'll recognize that. Begin to under, you'll begin to understand that, that it's him speaking and it's him directing you. So you, you're realizing this. He's put something huge on your heart. It's not just a little business is going to pay your bills that he wants you to launch. He wants to expand this thing because he wants you to give generously. It's not just this family he wants you to start. He wants you to raise up children in the house of God, to raise up children who know God, who are then going to go and bring his good news to all these places you couldn't imagine. He wants you to raise up influencers, kingdom builders. It's not just um, this education you're going to get. No, he's, he's preparing you. This is going to open the next steps for you. This is going to give you position. This is going to give you kind of uh, income. This is going to give you knowledge that he needs for the next season and the next stage of your life. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. You can't do it alone. You need to find the people who are going to be around you, who are going to be with you, who are going to be a part of your team. If, you, if you're in a, a business, is that an employee? If you're, um, you, you know, some of you, it's just going to be some friends who are around you. But who is it that's going to be with you? And what happens when you have a great team dedicated to launching the mission that God has given you? Well, you end up with men on the moon. You end up with uh, legitimate people who are one day, one day soon in our lifetime you're going to walk on the planet Mars. And we're going to see it. You have astronauts and thousands of engineers and psychologists and just brilliant people working together. I mean, what happens? The incredible happens. In, um, in the moments after this, so they replaced, uh, they replaced Judas and they went, they continued praying and uh, I don't think it exactly says, but in, in the next you know, few hours or a couple days, they, they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And here they have their team. And what happens next is really unbelievable. And I kind of want you to catch this and understand this. When they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's a supernatural thing that happened that thousands of people witnessed. 
He'll hear these disciples as they're praying. They're praying in all these dialects and all these languages that were foreign to them. And they didn't know what they were saying. But there were thousands of people here. And they were all like, how do these guys know all of these languages? How do they know the language from where I'm from? And so they all start gathering around. And Peter gets up to preach. And this is significant because this is the first time that someone other than Jesus is addressing the crowd. Imagine that, like, I'm terrified to preach every Sunday, but imagine having to be the first person to preach after Jesus, and like not feeling qualified, not feeling like you can do it, but the Holy Spirit within you can allow you to do something, and with a team around you, you can do things that you would think only Jesus could do, but he's calling you to do it. Peter gets up, he preaches that first sermon, and in that moment where there's just 120 of them, it's just a leadership team of 12. He gets done preaching and telling people about Jesus. And 3,000 people in that moment are like, sign me up. I believe. I believe. I was just here on a weekend trip, but I am giving my entire life to following Jesus now. And the church grew from 120 people to 3,000 because of a godly team. In the days to come... Uh, in, in just a matter of months, it was like 20,000, 40,000, 50,000 people, 100,000 people. It just exploded. It was unbelievable what God did. And we just think about our church and the mission he's given us in our church. He's called us to go into all the nations. And here is a church we're giving to the nations. And then he's called us to these three communities. We're just kind of doing our part. Like, hey, our sub-go is Dover, Plymouth, and Londonderry. We're going to do it the best we can. And we make mistakes all the time. But, but God, like, give us grace through our mistakes. Um, as we do that, like, what do we see happening? Just think about, still one year ago, we were one church. And now we, like this morning, we had three bands, or, or today, we'll have three bands in three cities going. How? How can we do that? We have three location pastors serving. Some of them we didn't even know last year. We have three kids ministries serving these kids in these communities. What happens when you have a great team dedicated to the launching of the, of the mission that God has given us? Man, it is launched. It makes an impact. And it changes eternity. If you'll close your eyes, I just want to pray for you. Now listen, I'm asking some of you, I want you to be on our team. I want you to be on our team. Being a part of the mission of God that God has given us here, to just say, you know what, I'm not sitting back anymore. I'm not just spectating anymore. I'm not going to let the enemy hold me back anymore. I want to do what God's created me to do. I want to be a part of this. I want to be used by God. I want you to be on that with us. And, uh, and it's not hard to do, and we want you, and, uh, and we're going to be with you. And together we say, what can we do to introduce people to Jesus? What can we do? And together, God is going to use you. God is going to use us. 
And all of those different things that God's calling you to launch, it's all connected to just one more. It's all connected to making disciples in all nations. I'm, guys, I'm telling you this, and I speak this prophetically, and I speak this as an encouragement to you. If you will step out and pursue that scary dream that God's put in your heart, he is going to do it. And it won't be easy, and Pastor Dan will talk about that next week, but, but you will do it because the Holy Spirit is with you. He's going to empower you. He's going to empower your team and bring the right people along. And all of a sudden, some business that started in a garage is going to be national, is going to be supporting missionaries and organizations all over the world. And that little education that you got that was just from a community college that you kind of poo-pooed is going to give you an open door into influence, into leadership, into um, to making a difference in our community. Don't you give up. Don't you discard it anymore. Don't you bear it anymore. But right now in these moments, say, God, I'm giving it to you. I've prayed about it for too many years, and now I'm asking God, give me the team to bring this to the next step. God, I've prayed about it for years and years and years, and I'm praying, God, open the doors now that we can be able to walk it out, that we would see a day where 3,000 people come to know you. God, where we would see a day where, where you do the things that we could never even dream. God, give me the, the, the next step to take. God, give me the right person or persons for this next place. God, do what only you can do. You're here, and your first step in all of this is just giving your life to Jesus to say, hey, I want to know you. Forgive me and change my life. I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you died and rose again, and I believe that you want me. So forgive me and love me and change my life. I pray this in your name, Jesus. And right now, Lord, I pray for every single person, every single person listening to this, whether here or online or on Facebook, I pray for every single person. Lord, I just pray, man, you have called us to do something. You are good news. You do great things in people's lives. You've done great things in our life. And help us, Lord, to live it out. Help us, Lord, to live in faith. Help us, Lord, to believe for miracles and to be bold and, and to be empowered. Help us, Jesus, to do what you have created us to do. And when you do it, Lord, we're going to just give you all of the praise. We're going to shout for you. We're going to give you all the credit because we know there is nothing that we could do. There's no way we could have done it. But, man, you did it through us. And I offer my life. We offer this church. We offer our, our lives to you, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Why don't you, uh, you, can, you can write things down right now. You can uh, begin to pray, but we're gonna, the band's going to sing for just a second. And I want you to, man, God's doing something. And I want you to just begin to even write down a prayer in faith or begin to text message someone that needs to be on your team and you've been too afraid they're going to tell you no. Let them tell you no. Don't you say no for them. And then uh, Pastor Dan will be up to finish out the rest of the service. I love you and I believe in you and God loves you and he believes in you. He is going to do what he wants you to do.